0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Congresswoman Cory Bush, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I thank you for making the time. I mean, we literally had to wait for this interview because you were on the floor giving your remarks in, I, I'm sure what many people agree, was a fiery condemnation of your colleagues' inability to condemn white supremacy and also condone the actions of, in particular, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Why is this such a major issue for you? I know it's an obvious question, but I wanna know why you are so fired up by what's happening in Congress right now
1: multiple reasons. One is if we don't call it out, if we just allow it, we continue with what we have right now. My activist friends and I, we stood out on the streets of Ferguson day in and day out. Rain, sleet, hail, snow, hell no, we won't go. Getting our butts kicked out there on the ground, but then also fighting to be able to be here, to be in a place where we get to make these kind of decisions to save lives and especially to save Black lives. And so you think I'm going to make it all the way to Congress and then be quiet when when white supremacy comes and knocks at the door, when white supremacy was ready to attack me and my colleagues, when it could have attacked my, my, my team? Now I will say this, It's not that she can't evolve or be reformed. And so that's why I won't shut up because maybe she just needs to be exposed that there is a whole other side to this thing. It's called loving humanity. And she gave a response earlier today saying that she regrets, you know, some of the things that she said because, you know, she didn't she didn't realize that those things were, you know, may not be true. This is the thing. She called me a terrorist. She said I was the leader of a terrorist mob. She said that I called um, I called. Uh, on the uh, the rape and the the rape and the burning of a home, and she called and I called, you know, for the murder of mm-hmm. a couple. She didn't take that back. She didn't regret that. That's the kind of stuff that's dangerous for our communities, and so that has to be called out.
0: You haven't been afraid to speak your mind about what you see that is going wrong, and you you have had an interesting journey because you were an activist marching from Ferguson, you know? This was the pre-George Floyd, you know, before it became a nationwide movement the way people saw in 2020. It's been interesting because some people say that the activists on the streets are the reason that we're seeing the changes, and now you are in Congress. Where do you think that more progress is made? In Congress or through the activism in the streets?
1: Should more activists be trying to get into lawmaking? Absolutely more activists should be trying to get into lawmaking, but you need both. I don't think you need to have there is it's and, you know, um if you got to have both, you can't just have one. It's not either or. The reason is you need the activists that'll put pressure, that'll do the work to make sure that things are moving, that'll keep the awareness and the visibility. But then you need the person that has the pen. You need the person that has the power of the purse to be able to bring those things home. That's what we were missing when we were out there fighting for justice for Michael Brown. But now there is a representative sitting here and I'm hoping to be able to pull in more, but not just in Congress. We need them on the local levels and on the state level.
0: You are the first black woman to represent Missouri in Congress. You overcame extreme odds. I mean, you know, living an unsheltered life. You were unhomed. You're a mother of two kids, and you've shared being a survivor of sexual assault. It is a story that resonated with many, and some of your constituents have said, I like her because I believe that she will fight for me because she reminds me of me. When you're now in Congress, and you are trying to... I think enact laws that are are, are specific to your constituents in Missouri, and then there's obviously the laws that are gonna affect the entire country. How do
1: you find that balance? What are you looking to achieve? Every single moment I'm thinking about what can we do to make sure that we're doing the absolute most for everybody in our district and around the country, but starting with those who have the very least because I've been someone who's had the very least and I understand how we how legislation happens all around us and all above us but then it misses us and so many of us trevor I can remember the days when I was hungry and I, and I was I was able to feed my kids but not myself I remember being um, abused by um by a, a former partner and not being able to have justice in that situation and so why would I not if I'm okay with being vulnerable for my people so that they get changed why would I not bring that to the forefront and use that to help inform legislation and to help push my colleagues. Like You may not know what it was like to be hungry. You may not know. These things may not be your story. You may not know what it's like to have your rape kit sit on the shelf for four months and still not get justice. You may not understand that. You may not understand what it's like to make $20,000 less a year simply because you're a black woman when the person next to you is a white man doing the exact same work but getting more money than you. You may not understand it, but I'm here to tell you what that's like.
0: Do you think that many of your colleagues are out of touch? I mean, uh, one of the stories that you shared, which was pretty insane was you got to the Capitol and you were wearing a, a Brianna Taylor mask and some of your now colleagues thought you were Brianna Taylor. I mean, that surely means that there are some people who are there just like, maybe they've been there for a long time or maybe they're completely disconnected. Do you feel like many of the lawmakers are out of touch or some of them?
1: Absolutely, some of them are out of touch. I won't say all, but some of them are. But that's our work. Because the thing is, we all have something to bring. We all have a skill, a gift, a talent, something to bring. And so for me, I'm going to bring this struggle that Black folks and brown folks have been fighting for such a long time. I'm bringing all of this chocolate, all of this Blackness, every single struggle that I have had to the forefront so that they understand. What has to change? And you're going to hear it from your your own colleague. I'm not, I, I don't care about a name, a reputation or a title. I don't care if you, you know, if you look at me like, oh, I'm dirty because I came from, you know, I came from being hungry. I came from, you know, living on the street. I don't care. Give my people what we need.
0: You've been very vocal in talking about what you think Joe Biden needs to do uh, one of the issues has been commuting um, the sentences of federal inmates who are on death row. This has always been a contentious issue in America. You know? Many people have said, look, we, we don't want the death penalty, we don't want death row, et cetera. But beyond the conversation, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I do not support the death penalty, but I always w- would like to know at, from a lawmaker's point of view, how do you speak to those families who have been the victim of some of these people who are on death row and say to them, hey, here's why this person shouldn't be on
1: death row. You know, i not only empathize with those families, I sympathize with those families as someone who lost a loved one, a very, very close loved one to an execution style murder. I absolutely stand with those families, but we cannot continue this cycle of violence and think that we will begin to heal this country. We have to get out of the mindset that that is a way to get justice. There are other ways to get justice, and one, some of those ways, is the work that we're doing right now with legislation, saying that we have to make sure that there are resources in our communities. We have to make sure that people have and communities have the things that we need to be able to be whole. And so, if we won't do that work, when we when our work. Is to, um, to build this carceral system when that's our work, when we're telling our third graders that if you don't score this particular number on this particular proficiency test, that, um, that, that you may be a, have a one in three chance to end up in prison one day. When we're telling that to our third graders, when that's the mindset of America, then that's the problem we have to deal with. We stand with our families and we do, but we have to change our thinking and do the real work to fix, uh, we, you, you build people, to uh-huh. build families, to build
0: community. Let's talk a little bit about the COVID relief bill. $1.9 trillion. That's what Joe Biden has come out with. It is ambitious because America is in a desperate place where something ambitious needs to be done. One of the sticking points in this bill has been the $15 minimum wage. Some people have argued that fighting for a $15 minimum wage is going to cost small businesses in particular the opportunity to give people jobs. What do you say to the small business owners who are terrified of the idea of not being able to afford to pay someone? And also, how do you respond to the worker who says, hey, I get $12 now and I I still want my job. I don't wanna lose my job because it's $15.
1: You know, in our district locally, we we have had small business owners who decided to take a risk and go ahead and switch to $15 an hour. This was this um, started a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know that they would be able to do it. They didn't know if they would survive. And some of them said, well, Corey, I was thinking maybe, you know, in a, a year or two years that I would start to see some change, that it would be rough. But what actually happened was when they started paying their their staff $15 an hour, they saw, they saw an uptick. So then the productivity increased and they started making more money. They said that that was the best thing for them. And not only that, when we think about, When you pay people a living wage, because I I don't know if you've ever worked for, for, but I've worked for $5.35 an hour, and after 10 years, I was making $9 at that job. So I understand. I I totally get it. The thing is, when we push something else that I've been pushing, which is Medicare for all, Mm -hmm. and we take away employers for having to pay that part of the health care and then they can take that so down now they can take the money that they would have been paying into health care and now they can use that to pay more and to and to increase the benefits for their staff that's how we look at it but for our for those for those um uh, small businesses that feel that like it's going to hurt their hurt their business right that's when you call on us Use your lawmakers in that way. Let us put together those programs to be able to help you because We cannot look at it like we can't do this because we don't want to we we think what may happen because you know what? There was a day when people didn't wear seatbelts. We were just driving and then all of a sudden somebody we we had to start to wear seatbelts and people people pushed back, but now let's see what we can see the benefit of it. There was a day when you could smoke anywhere you wanted to smoke and people pushed back, but now they see the benefit. So we have to, you know, look at change being a good thing.
0: Yeah, it really is about perception sometimes. It's more about how people perceive a thing than the thing itself. So looking at that perception, let's talk about one of the issues that's gonna be coming up, and that is the $2,000 checks that people have been waiting for and expecting. Now, there are two realities that sort of exist right now. Some people say what happened was the Democrats fought and argued that yes, Americans should be getting a $2,000 stimulus check. The same as Donald Trump was saying at the time. Republicans said, no, it's too much money. We care about about the budget now, which was hypocritical, but fine. $600 was agreed upon. And now the Biden administration has said, $1,400 additional will be added to that, which makes up the 2,000. There are many people who are saying, no, no, no. You promised us 2,000. We want the $2,000 check. This is gonna be a sticky conversation, which as you know better than anyone, can be used in a, in a conversation about perception. So my question to you is, what do you think needs to be done and where do you stand as a lawmaker?
1: You know, I'm all for the $2,000, straight out. You know, not, at, not a 600 and a 14. You know, I have been advocating along with um, several of my colleagues for $2,000 per month you know, that's retroactive back to when this pe- pandemic started. And we want to keep it until, um, through the course of this pandemic, so that people can get on their feet and start and, and have some stability and sustain. That's what this is about. So we're pushing for monthly checks. And are, that check has to be 2000.
0: Obviously a lot of your colleagues are gonna say, but Corey, where does that money come from?
1: Look, if we can find money for a walk, if we can find money for so many other things. Look, we have Space Force now. Don't tell me we cannot make sure that the people in our communities can eat. We're talking about people eating. We're talking about children having diapers and milk. We're talking about people being able to keep lights on, to have have heat if they need it, or, or to be able to have cool air if it's hot. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about saving lives, and there is no price to that saving lives. One, period. But then also when we can build a wall.
0: (laughs) Congressman Cory Bush, I could talk to you forever, but I know you've got business to get to. Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for joining us on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com.